Hello once again. Here we are at 3Gens Theology, and uh, we have enjoyed walking through theology proper, and this is, I believe, going to be our last of that uh, section today, and looking forward to uh, moving on to Christology, but uh, today we're going to talk about some cultural issues with uh, theology and uh, see how it affects the sharing of God and his message and just the idea of how different people might believe uh, both Christian and non-Christian in, 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 in God from different perspectives. So we're looking forward to that uh, today. Good to be with you um, and uh, looking forward to looking into God's word with that. Uh, at Three Gens, we want to come alongside and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. As we've been talking about theology proper, we talk about different um, subjects and different components of uh, who God is. Uh, but all those, we want you to, to be drawn to a closer relationship, a closer walk uh, with him. That is our desire. Uh, Jim, why don't you lead us in prayer today, and then you can take all off. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so thrilled to be able to come before our Heavenly Father with our prayers this morning for your guidance and direction in what we're going to say and do today. We desire more than anything else that people would know you and worship you as you deserve. We, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us that has given us the, the life that we have and the privilege to be able to share it with others. Guide and direct, we pray that the Spirit of God will help uh, all of us to have our minds uh, not only clear but uh, alert to the teachings of your word. And that uh, as we're illumined to those teachings, that we will not only apply them to our lives, but with the joy that we have in knowing you, we'll be living them out of our lives in, in every day, in every way. Thank you for your blessings and your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Cultures around the world have a tendency, uh, because we are human, uh, to be ethnocentric. The word ethnocentric basically means centered on your own culture. That's why if you look at maps of the world, you don't find the United States in the middle of most of the maps. What you will find is the culture, the country uh, that has made the map. Um, as we have looked at the doctrine of God, we've recognized the fact that there are questions that we can ask about different cultures in this world and how they have approached the issue of theology, the, the doctrine of God, and learn from those things, things that are helpful for us to realize what we may do ourselves, uh, especially if we become so absolutely convinced that there's no other way to look at the doctrine than the way that we look at it. Um, we have asked the question, is the Allah of Islam the same as the Father of Jesus in the Gospels? We have asked the question, uh, is God harsh and unapproachable as some have presented him or seen him to be? We have, uh, we've talked about how in, in translating the Word of God, particularly the name of God, into other cultures, um, we're concerned about whether we want to select a, a word that is familiar, a name of a God 
or gods that is familiar to the people or whether we want to translate from the Bible a name into that language, uh, which is a, a big question and it's an important one when it comes to translating the Word of God because our God's name has got to be enriched with all the fullness of what's taught around it throughout Scripture. We've, uh, we've looked at uh, the question of how as those who are trying to picture and envision God within our culture have a tendency to try to mold God into the image that we want him to have. Uh, and as a result of that, for instance, in liberation theology, we might find that an individual is going to teach that uh, God has given as his greatest intention that of liberating people from the, the chains that they are in culturally, uh, from the perspective of their government, from many other things that would form a, a kind of prison for them from which God would release them. And of course, we do believe that freedom is something that is wonderful. We are blessed with it here in the United States. Many countries are not. But we also recognize the fact that the greatest liberation that any of us can have is our liberation from the bondage of sin into life everlasting through Jesus Christ. So as we, as we stop today and kind of focus on the issue of the gods of the nations, we want to look at the Old and New Testament evidence that relate to that. We want to think about idolatry. And we want to think about the way we talk about other people and the way they worship or believe. One of the, the sad things is that traditionally throughout Christianity, and you guys will be aware of that, um, terms like pagans, heathens, barbarians have been spoken from the pulpit about people who are unbelievers. Actually, all of those terms with the exception of barbarian, which is found in Scripture, and heathen, which is found in some translations of the Scriptures, are not biblical terms. The biblical term is the gods of the nations, the gods of the nations, the gods of the peoples. And so as we think about that, I think it would be good for us to sort of toss back and forth some understandings that we have gained of the way in which God taught Israel, whether they really followed his principles or let me, not. Let me, since and, you said uh, that the, deal with the that. truths that we have gained, and so um, of the, amongst the three of us, not only do you have the most tenure, but uh, you have the most uh, international experience by far um, in being a missionary in Japan and then training missionaries that went everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I'm, I'm interested in just a, a kind of a quick thing of how much, how much international theological thought did you have in the schooling that you had, or did pretty much all of that come from the experience of ministering in those in, in Japan and then in, in helping others? That's a good question, Dan, and uh, let me answer it this way. I, I found that my seminary training was extremely helpful. I was still a young Christian at the time I went to seminary, 
And so this was all new to me, and I learned tremendous things. I had a good theology professor who really forced us to get into the Word to find the answers to theological questions. But to be honest with you, nothing in my seminary training really prepared me for the issues involved in dealing with other people's Mm -hmm. gods, with other people's religions. There was nothing that really helped me until I really got my feet wet in doing it, in the process of trying to help people who had a very different view of what gods were all about, uh, a very different view of what worship was, a very different view of what sin was, All of these issues I learned as I went along uh, through my study of the culture and my understanding of the people. And then as I was teaching those who were going to be serving in various parts of the world, I encouraged them to do the same kind of research and also to think about some of the basic principles that we have looked at and will be looking at today in order to be able to think how Do the people hear the message that we are proclaiming? What is it they are hearing? Is there some kind of noise that's getting in the way because of their culture that makes us think that we're communicating truth, but actually they're not receiving it the way we thought they would at all, simply because they're translating it into their own way of looking as at a, gods as a, and gods. As goddesses. a preacher, that's true in our within my own ethnocentric preaching. <laughs> what I say and what people hear are, are not the same. If you then throw on top of that, that um, we might be saying things that are even foreign, right? pun intended, foreign to the hearer, um, it, it is multiplied um, lack of clarity. Right, you know, and communicating. So I, I, I think the same, similar for me. I had a, had a um, uh, very Western theology, but one of the great things that I have, sh- I've repeated this many times in my life, um, that my prof would say, this, this is not only what we teach. This is what I believe, mm-hmm. but no matter what, the, this is what's right. The scriptures are what right, is what right, and so. Um, stick with those. What we what we think about things can change, and so it really. I got a very Western theology, but a, uh, an underlaying of of the the um, <laughs> the errancy of the, of personal theology mm-hmm. and the inerrancy of the scriptures. So then that can apply to um, uh, molding. Uh, how we communicate the truth of the word to others. So, so I didn't get much, internet, although my, my prof was had been a missionary, so he had that. In, I, I believe he probably had that in his thinking mm-hmm. as he was sharing that. So, sure. I, what about you at at, at uh, Moody? Did, what what was their international thought during theology in that? Um, yeah, I. Um, there was so much. There was there. Moody had was such an interesting. Um, grouping of people. I don't know that I really felt like I got a lot of international thought necessarily from the teaching. Um, but there, there were so many missionary kids and, and people desiring to be missionary that I felt like I gained a international view, um, 
from from that. More at Word of Life or more at Moody or both? More at Moody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I so well, obviously we're we're, tra- we're kind of talking about uh, idol, but the uh, the umbrella is is cross cultural, um, and so that's what Grandpa. I kind of wanted to throw it your way of. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, uh, like for me, I, I would think my you know. I think about I got to go to Togo on a mission trip, right? And I got to go mm-hmm. to Jamaica on a mission trip. And so when I think about cross cultural, I I generally or, or outside of of my American view of things, I generally think about those mission trips I got to go on, where I got to go experience this thing. Right. And so um, obviously we would you know we we encourage that of anybody. But uh, for those of for those who are listening, uh, you know, to our podcast, what are ways? How how would you encourage someone uh, to kind of expand their their western view without you know saying going on a mission trip overseas or, or something like that well, he would say go on a mission trip right you say go on a mission trip <laughs> but but you, i mean that that's not what everyone has the opportunity to do yes. so you know how, how yes. do we how would you go about that how have you taught that in your class what what would if someone at our church camp too is asking you about that what would your kind of response be to that well there are a number of ways in which especially today that can be done uh, there is a uh, an author, Harold Netland, uh, who is a prof up, up at Trinity, who's written several good books on the issue of religions and how we interact with them and how they affect, uh, how they understand the teachings of the Word, and we as Christians should understand the way they approach it. There are books like uh, Misreading the Bible with, uh, with Western Eyes, uh, misreading the Bible with individualistic eyes. Uh, and those are two excellent books that would help people today uh, to be able to, and they're available both in uh, uh, digital versions as well as in printed. So a person could actually listen to them like they listen to our podcast. But I would recommend things like that because they help you to stop and think about what you take for granted about the way uh, people think, about the, the way being ethnocentric basically boils down to this. I think that we are the best and that everybody thinks like we do or they should. <laughs> and so one of the problems that we face then with ethnocentrism is you've got to, you've got to break that mold. You've got to begin to look outside of your experience and find out what other people in other places think and do. We, we think because of globalism today. We think because of the availability, the instant availability of news from other parts of the world, that we're really right up there. You know, we, we know what's going on. But the truth of the matter is that most of those things are dramatic. They skim the surface until you get down to the lives of the people within those places and and live with them six months after the cameras are no longer there. You don't know how they're responding to it. You don't know what their beliefs are doing to interact with what they've experienced. how they are falling back on things that they've always done or looking in new directions. One of the things that's true of people who come to the United States from other countries is they either uh, get together in communities 
where they basically continue to live with most of the cultural issues that they always lived with, or they go the opposite way, and they say, because I'm in America, I want to become an American. They're curious about why we believe what we believe, why we do what we do, and that gives us an opportunity then to be able to explore with them their faith, but also to share our faith with them. Right, right. That makes it easier. It makes it easier for us because they're inquiring about how we think. It makes it easier for us that way. When they haven't but, invited but, us in the other cultures right, to come in. Right. Yeah. yeah. At home. Yeah. So um, I th- you're saying break, breaking that uh, that thought barrier. I think it's I. Th- there's a part of that that's impossible. I can't change the framework of my life. The, the, I can't change the background that I have, mm-hmm. but I can I can uh, break the expectation for the other to have that same framework, right? Yes. Um, so um, it, there's no way to go back and undo the history of your own life, but you can understand that others' uh, path isn't isn't the same. Right. Right. Well, we we have the ability with God's help, to be able to move into a different culture, to learn their language, to take on that culture. As you said, Dan, you can't take off the culture you grew up in completely, but you can take on a new culture, and that will change the way you look at things. It will inform your outlook. Uh, it It will build and deepen your ability to appreciate what other people right. think and so, are going but that would be that would be like me going to a a particular other culture yes um, but there's another way to do that right so i'm gonna i'm gonna but, interrupt but, you with this thought and that is what i mentioned a few minutes ago and that is broadening our minds to the place where we are able to uh to take in issues ideas uh right. ways of life concepts that that we've never had before right reading helps us to do that right uh being observant helps us to do that yeah because i think uh most of us in the west now in america now have um more of an opportunity meeting an international culture here which is varied so there's Different parts of the world, different um, rural and, and um, urban um, from all around the world that would come here, mm-hmm. that we would interact with, right. which have a whole variety of of uh, thoughts, and so it, it it's not it's just it's just different. When you went to Japan, you took on the language and the and had to take on the thinking in order to be able to communicate with them one ethnicity to one ethnicity right but now um and it's i'm sure it's i mean it's this way around the world but there's not um what i find is that there's 12 or so thoughts that i may run into today uh-huh. Do you know what i mean um right. and so to be uh willing to communicate it differently in all those settings is uh, is a challenge 
It is. And I'm not in the midst of it all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think in when you become a missionary and you go to that nation, you're in the midst of it, and you certainly can get it more fully. Yes. Right? But uh, what happens, I think, to many who are living in America, that international thought is, you know, I may run into a, a Buddhist today and uh, someone that grew up um, with, uh, you know, a completely different um, – like a, a, a Brazilian that's got uh, some kind of, um, you know, voodoo or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, animalistic background. And those are completely different thoughts. And I might run into them both today. Yes, you, know? you might. So when you, when you think about the fact that, uh, and we're going, to let, we're going to let the way God dealt with the people of the, of the scriptures Help us right. in these thoughts. We'll get to what we're actually, actually going to talk about now. Yeah, no, th- no, it, it, it builds in very closely to yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. When you see the Apostle Paul, for example, mm-hmm. uh, speaking to the Athenians, yep. and he's saying that you have a, a God that you have referred to as the unknown God. Paul was a Jew who had a Roman citizenship, a knowledge of Greek culture, and he also had knowledge of some of the other cultures surrounding uh, Israel and Palestine of his day, which helps us to see one aspect of what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. and that is if you go to other parts of the world, there will be some places where you'll go where an individual literally speaks five different languages, Mm -hmm. five completely different languages. And you think, wow, that's incredible. That person must have gone to school for a long time. Well, not necessarily. Many of those may have been learned growing up just because there are that many different cultures that are around them that it's beneficial to know how to speak or you have to know how to speak their language. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing becomes true when we look at our God's view of the cultures of the world. He knows and understands every one of them. He is aware of how best to reach all of the peoples of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, when we, look, when we look at the Old Testament evidence, we find that at the very beginning, everyone believed in the one true God. It was only over time as people spread out from where creation in the Garden of Eden were located that gradually the demon influences and other influences of a lack of instructing the next generation and all the rest of that resulted in the development of the other gods that exist in the hearts and minds of people around the world. And in some cases, we put our overlay of religion on the belief systems of other people and try to make them, all of the different categories of what they believe, fit in with our Western categories or our Christian categories or our biblical categories. And the truth is that in many cases, their religions, if you want to call them that, their belief systems, are so different that you can't just read into them or 
classify them according to what we know as faith or religion. Right. Right. But you do have Paul using uh, a God that they already recognized to mm-hmm. introduce to introduce the true God, right? Yes. And so that is um, a, a really a great picture uh, of bringing the message to another culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't know how much further Paul went with that necessarily, um, but uh, uh, certainly it's there for the understanding of who God is, right? In Deuteronomy 12.30, the Lord said, Take heed to yourself that you're not ensnared to follow them, that is, the false gods, after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, or the people whose gods they were talking about. Do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I will do likewise. The Lord is warning the people, Don't pay close attention to the gods of the nations in order to learn how to worship them so that you can get along with your neighbors. The problem that Israel faced was that they were surrounded with neighbors who had false gods. And the Lord was saying to them, do not learn from them how to worship me. Learn from me how to worship and then take the true God to them. That was his desire for Israel all the way through, but we don't see Israel following through on that, do we? I mean, Jonah going even, um, he didn't come in and and share about their God at all. No. He went in and and shared about the true true God and the judgment that would be coming. Right. um, Yeah. So um, what are um, are some... uh, do we have scriptural examples outside of these two that we've looked at that are examples to follow uh, for going to other to other cultures or how, how our mindset might be in going? Um, are there are there other um, examples about idols or 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 that kind of thing that would be applicable today? Idols is a tough one in our day. I think the thing that uh, that I have found most helpful is to understand how God viewed the stranger, the person who was not yeah, of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord reminded Israel that they had been in Egypt, that they had been mistreated in Egypt, um, but that he had taken them out of Egypt by defeating, if you will, the gods of the Egyptians. The principle that I find in God's referring to that is that he doesn't constantly refer them back to his defeat of the false gods. If you read any of the, uh, the accounts of the great kings, of the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the, the desire that they have is to toot their own horde as loud as they can. Look what I did. I went into there and I defeated the people and I defeated their gods. And I, well, what the Lord reminds the people 
to do is to love the strangers and to care for them because that is the way in which God is able to demonstrate himself through his people to the nations that are around. He doesn't emphasize the fact that you are to take on their idols, their false gods. Quite the contrary. He tells them, leave them alone. In fact, Paul is very clear about saying that the idols of the nations are nothing. There's nothing there. The idols are not gods at all. They don't, they don't mean anything. They're, they're nothing. And yet, he says that there are demonic beings that want to use the idols as a means of capturing the people who believe them and who worship them. And that to us is another great helpful instruction because it helps us to realize the fact that idols, while they are nothing, can be very powerful. We in, in the West have a tendency to idolize a lot of things. We idolize things <laughs> very often. Uh, we may idolize people. We may idolize all kinds of things. Uh, and they take the place of God in our thinking. Uh, you were talking before, Dan, about uh, the concept of deism and how that kind of opens the door to be able to say, oh, yeah, there's a God somewhere, but I live my life as though he isn't there. Right. And, and frankly, in dealing with other nations and their beliefs, it's not important for us to know every detail of what those beliefs are. In fact, many times... You find uh, the, I, I mentioned to you guys, the Triptikataka, that is the uh, Buddhist scripture of the southern branch of Buddhism. The majority of even the priests don't know most of those writings. Um, it's not that you have to know everything about what the other person believes. What you need to be is sensitive and open and willing to allow them to share what's important to them so that it gives you the freedom to be able to then share the gospel to them. What um, you mentioned about, uh, so just like starting that, communicating with another, another culture, the name of God is important, right? Um, and that would set a tone for how you're going to communicate about that mm -hmm. God. So what's, the, what's that uh, process look like? Um, I imagine that you would know pretty clearly how that went in translating into Japanese. So how that, what does that look like in a Japanese setting? Well, in the Japanese setting for the contemporary missionary, it's going to be different than it was at the end of the 19th century. Right. When, when uh, Protestants first began to develop interest in Japan, which went then up into the... Um, the period of time that the West was allowed into Japan again, one of the things that they were concerned about most was how do we present the scriptures to the Japanese people since they really didn't have any translations to work with. And so their need was to be able to translate the scriptures into Japanese as accurately as possible so that they could then use the scriptures 
as the context from which to preach about the Creator God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who go into the culture, now there are plenty of translations available. In fact, in most cultures of the world, not all, but most cultures of the world, the scriptures are available. So then it becomes an issue of, first of all, finding a way in which you can make your home with the people to demonstrate your love for them, to become part of their lives. And then in the process of doing that, to begin to present to them the fact that your life, the the reason that you're even there is because God has changed your life. God has done something in you that has made you not only his child, but also made you desire that others might have that same relationship with him. And so you begin with the simplest aspects of what the truth of God's word says about who God is, his love for us, beginning with the understanding that a lot of things that we take for granted about our faith, they're not even going to know. And so we need to begin to understand their culture enough to get them to share with us and for us to learn a lot of what's important for them and then share the most important message in the world with them from that word. So um, what are a couple couple, um, first steps? Uh, You you talked about reading uh, the misreading of the scriptures, which are great. Uh, I, I hadn't heard of Netland, so that was that was a good one. Outside of that, what what are some atti- ways of attitude? I guess maybe are there are there are there first steps in that changing of, of mindset? I'd say that the the very foundational step of all is to be open to the Lord's leading in your life to let you be a change agent, to have a a willingness and openness to let God bring you into contact with anyone who might be around you who doesn't know the Lord, especially when you're dealing with people from other cultures. The next step is love. Quite frankly, without loving the people that you're, you're ministering to, all you are is just sort of like the sounding symbol mm-hmm. of 1 Corinthians 13. You're there, you're speaking, but you're a talking head. You can't lead with your head. You lead with your heart. If you learn to love the people you're ministering to, then the next step is that they respond to that love and that friendship, and they want to know more about what makes you what you are which then gives you an opening to share what God has done to change you and can do for them as well. So I think we've talked more about um, theology in general (laughs) in other cultures today, more so than theology proper. But theology proper is really a foundational truth for those things. How do we we present who God is uh, to people that have a different view of who God is, Even, even if it's not a set alternate religion just their their background their the backdrop of their life is an, a different understanding right, right. yeah right. Um, so hopefully that came through today as we were uh, discussing that um, we um, 
as as people study not just pastors but as church members in America study theology it is a a uh, itemized framework a, a logical looking through different points and then as you bring that to people that's not always how they perceive it mm-hmm. uh, not 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 only internationally but even here people who've grown up here their whole life still they might not have that same framework but especially others that would have a more uh, familial or tribal uh, framework of thinking wouldn't be so uh, logical thinking, Mm -hmm. right? And so there'd just be a different framework of of approaching those things. And in approaching those people very often, it's the fact that we are different that first attracts them to us or repels them, repels us. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, They have a desire to maintain what is familiar. And the change that takes place in some of those tribes, for example, that have been reached even in modern day, as I've mentioned once, I believe, in the past, is based upon our willingness to recognize them as a people group, not just one individual at a time, but to recognize the fact that we have a responsibility to accept their understanding of them as being one people. And so we, we approach them in that way and recognize that since the Old and New Testaments also are very group-oriented, we have a foundation to be able to approach yeah. them with truth. I think, as you said, some come beca- because we're different, it attracts them, and others it repels them. In both of those, it is actually uh, a, a, an ongoing love that takes it the next step. That's right. Because the person that's attracted to us for the different thought, the love actually shows that they need more than just a curiosity of what we think, but right. that that we might be uh, actually worth bonding over, right? And then the person that's repelled, um, you're just not going to be able to debate your way out of a <laughs> out of that repelled thought. You're gonna right. it's gonna have to be love that shows. No, I really care about about what's going on. Exactly. So, right. Okay. Well, it's been uh, good to talk through some of these cultural issues. I don't know how, how theologically proper it was. Uh, <laughs> well, if our theology uh, was, doesn't inform our life, right. it's not very helpful. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but certainly, um, I do love Paul's example there um, in Acts, uh, in speaking at Mars Hill. Um, and uh, what a good example that is, that we would start with where they are and then share the truth of the scriptures, right? Not bend the truth yes. of the scriptures, but share the actual truth of where it is. And remember that Paul also said, I have become all things to all, to all men, right. that I might by all means save some. Yeah. That was his desire. That's a good spot. Well, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we love uh, sharing with you. Uh, when we get back together, we will be starting in on Christology, and we're looking forward to that as we get together again. Thank you.